With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, You're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. And there's so many different opportunities out there because hockey is, as I always say, a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know what type of game you're going to get. You might get a couple of opportunities here and there, but with matchups like even the big events, like the Winter Classic that's coming up, or any of these outdoor games, all-star games, big matchups against the defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche, and so much more, DraftKings, as always, is giving you huge opportunities to get major cash prizes. If that wasn't enough, excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, TBPN, or TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Devils fans. As always, I like to bring on very special guests. Every guest that comes on my podcast is a very special guest, and this one is no exception. I was actually on his podcast quite a while ago, and he is one of the hosts of the Nassau Men Hockey Podcast. 
here on the Hockey Podcast Network, which covers the New York Islanders. He is also a New York Islander and now New Jersey Devils correspondent for the fourth period. It is with great pleasure that we welcome on the man himself, Mr. James Nichols. James, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm a little bit better now with that intro. Oh my God, that was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I I always try with my guests to give them, you know, a really good intro, really get everybody fired up and ready to go, you know, for this, this next, uh, next half hour or so that we got. So I I like to, I like to start off with a bang, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, you pulled through. Awesome. Awesome. So let's kind of just jump right into it here. And we kind of, I kind of asked you this question off camera, but I'm but I want my listeners to kind of understand because uh, I'm starting to see that a lot more Devils fans are getting a chance to kind of know you a little bit more because now the Devils are having more coverage with, uh, you know, NJ.com's Ryan Novozinski, who I know you interact with quite often, and he is a, uh, a fan of the podcast. And now you also are covering the Devils for the fourth period. Talk to us a little bit about how that all came about that now you're covering the red and black. Yeah, so uh, it just happened to be location for me, right? Uh, I, I live a little closer to uh, Prudential Center than I do uh, UBS Arena. And, uh, you know, my wife and I are planning on, on moving to Jersey soon anyway. Um, but even before any of that, they actually approached me at the fourth period and said, hey, we, we like what you're doing with the Islanders. We think we could take it a step further with the New Jersey Devils. What do you think? Um, you know, no secret that Lou Lamarillo runs the the New York Islanders. So things are a little bit secretive over there uh, and they keep things close to close to the chest. But there's, you know, going to be a, um, a ramp up of coverage uh, at the fourth period. Some, you know, more uh, more content coming uh, your guys way via the fourth period that we can do uh, a little bit more exclusively with with the fourth period and the New Jersey Devils. So um, and, and, you know, now I'm going to be probably living uh, or hopefully soon living a little bit closer to uh, Prudential Center than I will be uh, the, the, the UBS arena. So uh, I'm excited. You know, the New Jersey Devils are, are an up and coming uh, young team. And, and I think that uh, this is a, a perfect year to start because I think there's a lot of optimism around them. Well, I will say the same thing to you that I said to uh, Novozinski when I had him on a couple months ago that, you know, we're, we're just excited to have more people come on and cover this team that are not necessarily associated with the team. Because, I've, you know, for a long time, we, we've kind of had just, you know, a team reporter and, and Manistein does a phenomenal job. There's no question about that. But now that we have a little bit more independent coverage, I think is great. And uh, obviously somebody who is a part of the same network as I am, I think is exciting as well. Just, you know. <laughs> Having more people on the network talking about the, you know, the team that hails from the Garden State, I think is uh, absolutely awesome. So yeah, I mean, I'm just excited as you are, you know, for you guys, to, for you to be on here and covering this team, and uh, hopefully we uh, we, we def- the Devils can uh, you know bring a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, things to talk about uh, once we get into the season. So before I talk about the Devils, there was one big piece of news that came out of Islander Country over the last 24 hours. And that is Napoleon's long-awaited contract extension, eight years uh, with the New York Islanders. Obviously, as Lou, you know, likes to do, there was literally nothing at all that showed any signs that this was going to happen. And then the Islanders just dropped it out of nowhere. So talk to us a little bit about, obviously, Matt Barzell's contract extension and what it means overall for the Islanders, knowing that their star number one player is going to be he is going to be on the island long term. Yeah, so uh, I touched on this a little bit actually in, in the episode coming out of, of Nassim and Hockey tomorrow, uh, so you can, you can hear it there as well. But you know, overall, it, it, it's a good deal for the Islanders. Um, there's a lot of talk that 
Um, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a, there's a 50-50 split on whether it's a good contract or an overpayment. And, and I could understand the argument of an overpayment. Obviously, he hasn't produced like some of the contract comparables like Braden Point. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I forget who the second uh, comparable was. But, um, you know, you, you have to look at the system and you have to understand that he plays largely in a, in a defensive or he was playing largely in a defensive role uh, for the majority of Barry Trotz's tenure. So um, the expectation is that under Lane Lambert, the Islanders will be a little bit more offensive, which would uh, hopefully, you know, increase that point total for him. Uh, however, you know, you look at you look at Matthew Barzell and his tools and everything that he has uh, going for him in his game. Look, he, he's he's very close to being of the same echelon as uh, Nathan McKinnon, um, you know, so a player like that. He he has the obvious skill. He just has to put those pieces together. Um, and you wonder if he will in, in a in a more free-flying system under Lane Lambert, if that is how they, uh, ha- the, you know, the route that they take. Um, that being said, you know, he does have to play up to that contract now. The, the, the thing is here, the Islanders a couple of years ago, everybody knows what happened when John Tavares opted to go to, um, you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and, you know, them being able to retain Matthew Barzell long-term and, and it eliminates that process. It, it eliminates any uh, hesitation from uh, outside free agents that, that are looking in now saying, Oh, Matthew Barzell wants to stay on Long Island long-term. Maybe that's a place where I want to play. Cause I want to play with a franchise center and Matthew Barzell. So overall it just does, it, it's a ton of positives moving forward for, for the Islanders keeping their, their star center, um, you know, a, a a good AAV in my mind, because obviously we saw the projections that they're going to go up to uh, in 24-25 with the salary cap. Um, and, and again, you know, he spoke so highly of, of living on Long Island and, and the Islander organization that him committing there really proves that everything he said was was true to heart. Yeah, and obviously, you know, and I'm sure you understand this as well, you know, looking at it from the Devils' perspective with both Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer signing long-term, you know, again, kind of the same type of feeling of, well, these guys want to stay here long-term in New Jersey, you know, what, you know, it sounds like a place that maybe I should go check out. Same thing with the Islanders. I mean, again, like you mentioned, the whole John Tavares situation was obviously very, very disappointing and very frustrating and, you know, everything like that, but Matt Barzell being able to, you know, sign long-term with the Islanders and, and stay on the island, I think is important for the team overall. And just being able to, you know, attract other people to come to the organization as well, especially after what was definitely considered to be a very tough, let's put it tough offseason uh, for the New York Islanders, especially when it came to free agency and just player acquisitions um, in total. And uh, also to let you guys know, uh, the contract extension is about $72.3 million dollars over eight years, it will start next season, the 2023-24 season, and his uh, AAV is $9.15 uh, million per year. So that is the uh, official, or 73.2 actually in total um, for the contract. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously for some people could say it's a, a hefty contract, but I think what people have to understand is that you're paying for the player that Barzell is going to continue to become and that he's going to continue to progress the way that he's been playing. And now that he's had a couple of years in the league and obviously has had some success and has been able to do a couple of good things here and there with him being uh, just turned 25 in May, um, you know, he's about to jump into the prime of his career. So I think it's important for the Islanders to lock him down, and that's kind of a big thing. I, I, I'm sure you would agree, James, that the Islanders don't have to worry about moving forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like I said, it goes back to that that whole John Tavares thing where you know they they lost him, they let him walk in in a in a year where he uh, wasn't in free agency, and um, now they don't have to worry about that. It allows you know other superstars to look at the Islanders and say that's that's a destination I want to play in. So um, yeah, absolutely, I totally agree with you. Uh, net positive moving forward for for the Islanders there. Now the other thing I wanted to quickly talk about, you know, because again, you also do cover the New York Islanders. Um, is just talking about the Islanders offseason as, as a whole. Um, obviously, the big news was the fact that they did let go of Barry Trotz, which came as a pretty big shock to everybody. Um, and obviously, there were different conflicting reports and things like that about why the Islanders decided to move on from uh, from Barry Trotz. And they ended up hiring uh, one of his assistants, Lane Lambert, as you mentioned, as new head coach. So in, in your in your view, how how do you look at this entire offseason for the Islanders and what does it mean going into the 2022-23 season? Yeah, you know, I, I I was surprised when when they relieved Barry Trotz of his duties just because you you look at the obstacles that the Islanders had to overcome. There was really nothing that that Barry Trotz could have done differently for his team in order for them to be more successful. Uh, maybe, maybe other than playing a few uh you know, younger guys such as an Oliver Wallstrom or Robin Sowell a little bit more. Um, that being said, though, that, you know, at that point, that's really the only thing you can you can point to Barry Trotz to and, and say he needed to be a little bit better in that department. Um, you know, but they, they do make the, the the switch to Lane Lambert. And the, the thing about Lambert was that he was pretty highly sought after. So I think that that speaks volumes to who he is as a coach and as a character. Um you know, there was going to be a point at some at some time in, in his career where he was going to be a head coach, whether that was with the Islanders or not. I know that the uh, Detroit Red Wings were going to going to be going after him this, this summer if he did make it there as uh, a free agent or or not a free agent, but, you know, as, as a still in an associate coach role. And they were going to look to hire him. Uh, he has a relationship with Steve Eiserman. Uh He had, you know, previously interviewed for the Anaheim Ducks head coaching position. And I think he came it came down to him and Dallas Eakins. Um, so he, he's, he's been pretty highly sought after. And, you know, I think there's a reason for that. He's, he's a little bit more modern, whereas Barry Trotz is a little bit, a little bit more old school. Um, not to say that his system doesn't work. Obviously it does. It just did a couple of years ago with the Capitals and, and they did claim a cup. But, um, I think for, for the Islanders, it, it was, um, I, I don't want to say it was time for them to move on, mm-hmm. but it, it, the thing is I, it, in, in my mind, I feel even if his contract was going to run up, meaning Barry Trotz, even if his contract was going to going to run up, it was going to be Lane Lambert, no matter what. So they knew that it might they might have lost him a year early. Um, they decided that it, maybe it was time for a new voice in the locker room, and so uh, they they pulled the trigger on it. Now, what does it mean for them moving forward? Um, you know, it, it, that's to be determined. Still, you know, we have to see how Lane Lambert adjusts to. A pretty slow start to the preseason. Um, they won a game yesterday. I think they won the the game the previous uh, previously before. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really take a ton of stock in the preseason just because you know you're not playing with your, your entire roster. But if if they come up short out of the gate, you know you might start to see question marks already. So mm-hmm. um, ultimately, it's it's in Lane Lambert's hands. He has to make sure that yes, he still keeps that defensive structure the Islanders have in place, but the Islanders need to score goals. That was something that they they definitely lacked last season. And, uh, you know, not bringing in any any forwards this this offseason is, is puzzling. You wonder mm-hmm. if one of those guys like Oliver Wallstrom or Anthony Bavillier can step up and be more consistent. Um, 
And that's really that. He has to figure out a way for for the Islanders to find the back of the net more. It definitely should be uh, an interesting year overall for the Islanders. Um, and there's obviously uh, kind of similar to the Devils in a way. There's there's a lot more questions than answers. Uh, one thing, obviously, that is not a question mark is the man between the pipes. And that is Ilya Sorokin, who is uh, one, of the, one of the better up-and-coming young goaltenders in the game. And uh, knowing that you have Sorokin on the island and then you have Shostarkin in York, obviously that rivalry is going to uh, take it to another level. Um, I wish the Devils could be involved in that. Maybe they will, depending on uh, if goaltending is uh, solidified going into the season. So my last question really quickly to you, James, about the Islanders is simply this. Give us a quick prediction as to where do you see the Islanders finishing this year? Because, And I know it's tough because, again, there's so much – going on and we still have preseason and um, just want to quickly mention that uh, you guys are listening to this on Thursday, uh, the 6th, the Devils are taking on the Islanders in Long Island uh, tonight for the second to last preseason game. Um, so obviously uh, kind of perfect timing that James is on here actually, but you know, overall James, like what is your overall prediction of for, for the New York Islanders for the upcoming season? Yeah, a, a lot of people are pretty pretty down on them, and for obvious reasons, right? The, the results last season, uh, uh, less than stellar off season as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most most people peg them to miss the playoffs. I have them as a wild card team, whether that's one or two. Uh, it could flip flop, could be either, just because of the fact that when you have a goaltending tandem like Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov, they're they're talked about as or spoken about as largely. The, the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. You're not going to find mm-hmm. two goaltenders together in a tandem who are better than those two, unless, you know, someone uh, breaks out behind, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, or you can make a, a case for Igor Shesterkin and, and Yaroslav Halak, but, you know, Halak's a little bit older. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the blue line improvement in, in Alexander Romanov. Robin Salo is looking uh, excellent this preseason, so you hope that he can ride that into the regular season. And I just think that the the obstacles that they could not overcome last year, um, they're not going to be in front of them this year. You're not going to see a guy like Kyle Palmieri score one goal in 29 games, especially because it looks like he's going to be playing on Matt Barzell's right wing right. with Zach Parise on, on the left. I think you're going to see somebody closer to the New Jersey Devils version of Kyle Palmieri who scores 25 goals, maybe even right. 30 goals. So. I do think overall they're going to be a better team. I think that you know Lambert will keep that defensive structure in place. They made they made the improvement on the blue line. I think Robin Salo is taking that step up. And when you have the elite goaltending that they do, I do think that it is going to be uh, a wild card position team. I, I, I'm hesitant to uh, choose the Washington Capitals to stay in the hunt. I feel like they just. You know, they lost Nicholas Backstrom for a while. Their goaltending is very questionable. I don't love their defense. I, the only player on that team who I, I can say is going to continue to, uh, you know, take strides forward uh, is Alexander Ovechkin. Right. I think, you know, even Evgeny Kuznetsov last season took a, a bit of a step back. So, you know, again, they could prove me wrong. Obviously, there's there's no question about that. But, you know, I have a hard time believing that the Washington Capitals are going to stick uh, to that 100-point team that they were last season. I'm not going to bet against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I think the Carolina and and the New York Rangers are the top two teams in the division. Um, right. So it's really just you know the the wild card and maybe that third spot that's up for grabs. I do see the Islanders grabbing one of them. I do see the New Jersey Devils possibly grabbing one of them. Well, obviously, there's a reason why I continuously call the Metropolitan Division the Division of Death because of just the amount of traffic jam that there is with the amount of teams that are in it and the competition and the longevity of teams like you mentioned, the Capitals, 
um, Pittsburgh, and now with the newcomers in Carolina and the Rangers and even the Columbus Blue Jackets to an extent. I mean, they're obviously with everything that they did um, this past offseason. But yeah, for the for the New York Islanders, it's definitely going to be um, a big year for them to kind of see how they, you know, get things going with Lane Lambert and, um, you know, how they can uh, get this team rolling despite not adding a ton uh, during the offseason. So we will definitely keep our eye on uh, on the Islanders this upcoming season. Now, shift over and go across the Hudson River and you come to your newest team that you are covering, and that is the New Jersey Devils. And so my first question right off the bat, James, is simply this. Do you think Jack Hughes is a superstar? <laughs> I do. I really do. Um, you know, I, I do believe his his point per uh, his point pace last season, if over an eighty two game span, he was going to hit like ninety four points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, listen, if he has a healthy season this year, I, I don't know if it's such a bold prediction to say, yeah, Jack Hughes can hit a hundred points. If he doesn't hit a hundred, I think he'll hit something close to it. So, mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is a superstar, and it looks like they're equipping him with some pretty dangerous uh, forwards around him. Um, Andre Palat is going to play with him. It looks like on the left side, which I I don't think that he's, you know, this, this um, elite forward in the NHL right now, but he's a very serviceable top six guy at the moment who can score you 20 goals and and tack on 30 assists, which, you know, next to Jack Hughes, maybe you can add, you know, tack on a few extra there. The, the the right side of Jack Hughes, I think, is it looks like it's going to be Alexander Holtz. You know, I know last last preseason game they had him skating with uh, Dawson Mercer. Yep. I think they were just trying to, you know, maybe maybe get another look to see, you know, if things don't work out in one spot, you know, where would they work out in another? Mm-hmm. But so far, it does look like Holtz is going to play with Jack Hughes. Now he hasn't scored in the preseason, um, and, and we'll we'll see what comes of that. Yep. But I, I don't think it's I don't think it's an, a, a thought in Lindy Ruff's mind right now that oh he hasn't put the puck in and that we can't skate him with Jack Hughes. I think that the three of them, meaning Palat, Hughes, and, and Holtz, are meshing pretty well. So um, you know I think Hughes is primed for a huge season, and I think it's also going to be a little bit elevated because of who he's surrounded with. Yeah, it's definitely. Um... That, that's the big question mark in this training camp other than the goaltending is talking about Alexander Holtz and will he make this team? You know, he talked about all offseason that he his whole goal was to make this team out of camp and get ready. And you can see in the two games that he played when he was paired with Hughes and Palat as now they're now called the H2O line, which, you know, I don't know how long that will last, but it seems like Holtz feels most competent when he's playing around those two individuals. And so, you know, again, I think it is Holtz's position to lose at this point, considering that we are just a couple of days away from the end of training camp and into the regular season. So, yeah, it obviously, you know, I was at the game against Boston. You know, Holtz didn't really do much of anything except he had a couple chances early in the first period on the power play where he had some shots, but they didn't hit the net. And that was obviously something that, you know, you want to, you don't want to want to see him obviously get the puck on that and, and ultimately get the puck in the net. I mean, that's what he's, that's what his main thing is. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but just like with all the positives you see in training camp and preseason, you have to also take the negatives with a grain of salt as well and say, well, let's just see once, 
the regular season gets underway, how the team um, how, how the team goes as a whole. And, uh, you know, I, again, I agree with you about Jack Hughes. You know, he is ready to explode onto the NHL scene, and everybody can feel it. And it's just a matter of him staying healthy and getting going and, uh, you know, being the focal point of the offense overall. Um, my, my other, my next question to you, James, about the Devils is this. When you look at, when you look at the offseason the Devils had, and obviously there were differing things that happened. They, they struck out on getting Johnny Gaudreau. They aggressively tried to acquire Matthew Kachuk via trade from Calgary, and that didn't count. And uh, they obviously tried to get Jesper Bratt uh, on a long-term extension. That didn't work out, but they were able to at least come to an agreement on a deal for this year and give them more time to set something up. Um, and then obviously they made some moves. Palat, Vitek Vanacek, uh, John Marino, different guy, Eric Halla in a trade, um, all these different things. Overall, when you look at the Devils' offseason, how do you look at it? Like, do you, like, what type of grade do you think you would give the Devils overall for their offseason acquisitions and everything that they've done up until this point? Uh, I'm in like the, the B plus A minus range there for them. I think they had an excellent offseason. They acquired Vitek Vanacek for pennies, and I think he is an excellent goaltender, someone who is going to be a, a, a big part of the success of the, the New Jersey Devils for at least this season. I think him, him and Blackwood are going to make an excellent tandem moving forward, and that was one of the biggest things for the, the, the New Jersey Devils last season was just that their goaltending just was not cutting it. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then you add on the fact that they acquired – John Marino for exactly the same thing, pennies, and that's a that's a player right there. He's only twenty five years old. He's an excellent defenseman. He is all, he's good in all three zones. A two way guy. And I, I got to tell you, when when I saw him, you know, in uh, the first preseason game, I, I saw this this year when he was on the blue line. He is a really good skater, and and I was I was shocked at how well he could skate the puck in transition, and and you know he can. Um, push the puck uh, up the ice really well and jump up in the play. He's not afraid to do that. So, you know, w- with the really solidified blue line that the, the New Jersey Devils have now with, you know, Siegenthaler, Hamilton, uh, uh, Severson, Graves, and and now they have Brendan Smith, who I think is an excellent uh, defenseman too, especially in a sixth role. I think he, he's good enough to be, you know, at least a fifth guy, um, yeah. you know, play, playing with John Marino. Suddenly now the the New Jersey Devils blue line is really deep. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some really good acquisitions for really not much in in uh, uh, to, you know they didn't have to really offer much up except for a couple of later draft picks that that allows them to still draft second overall and pick Simone Nemec, who by the way doesn't look too far off. Um, you know, and then bring in for being an eighteen year old. He looks very yeah. Confident. Yeah, and then they bring in you know Andre Palat for six million bucks for five years, and um, I, I didn't love at first the six million bucks because I don't know how gracefully that contract is going to age. But now that we know that the salary cap is possibly going to go up to ninety two to ninety five million dollars, that that now that's three million dollars, right? That's going right. to in a few years, six million is going to be the new three million. So you know, there's just so many intangibles that come with Palat that he's going to be able to offer a a young uh, New Jersey Devils locker room. Yep. You know the, the the two Stanley Cups, the the knowing how to win and, and being able to mentor, you know Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and all those young forwards. It, you can't replace that kind of thing. It's pretty much right. like what Zdeno Chara did for Noah Dobson, and now you're going to see, uh, you know Andre Pilat do that for the New Jersey Devils as well. I didn't even mention Eric Howla, who I think has been one of the best acquisitions for them so far. He is 
just playing so well in all three zones. And if they do keep the line together of Miles Wood, um, pa- uh, no, he got he traded for Powell's Zaka, uh, Eric yeah. Howell and and, and uh, Dawson Mercer. That's like one of the better third lines in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that on Twitter in one of the games where you were saying that, wow, Howell just is all over the place. Yeah. That third line is just all over the place, you know, c- causing havoc, creating opportunities. And Eric Hall looks like he fits into this system and the way the team plays very well. And I know people want to say, well, why is it that he's been a journeyman in the last couple of years? And I, and I have to say, I think it's mainly because he has not been able to find that good of a fit. Granted, he had a really good year last year with Boston, although you consider the fact of look who he played with, especially playing a lot of top six minutes and things like that. But at the same time, I think he's a very good player in his own right. And I think him fitting in on that third line is going to be very, very essential. And, um, you know, it's it's good to hear, you know, from from people about how they they can clearly see the Devils are making moves to bring in veteran leadership, uh, bring in confidence. I know Miles Wood himself said that this is the most confident he's been in a team in a while and how excited yep. he is to get going this season. And I think it, it's, I think for Devils fans, a lot of the time nowadays, it's been cautiously optimistic because we've obviously been here before with, you know, a lot of hope and enthusiasm to start the year. And by the time we hit January, you know, things fall flat. So, you know, I, I'm still fairly confident in this team that they are going to take a massive, not a massive upgrade, but a pretty big upgrade from the last couple of years. I think once they get everything going completely, they're going to be a hook, line, and sinker. So my my next question to you, James, is this. Lindy Ruff is in the final year of his contract here as a Devils head coach. Uh, The Devils obviously cleaned house other than Lindy Ruff. Um, and obviously uh, Dave Rogalski as well. He stayed on as the goalie coach, but they they bring in Andrew Burnett, who was, you know, he did a phenomenal job as the interim coach in Florida. Uh, Ryan McGill uh, to cover the defensive power play. And then even brought in, you know, longtime Devils player and also uh, coach in the minors in Sergey Breland. So completely, almost completely new coaching staff. But Lindy Ruff, it's kind of one of those deals where I've said it before, where it feels like, Unless the Devils make a, a considerable deep run in the playoffs, um, they are probably going to uh, not maybe not fire him, but probably just bond from him and make potentially Andrew Burnett the next head coach because he's not an assistant; he's an associate head coach. So, wh- what is your feeling about Lindy Ruff, his job security, and what could happen potentially down the road with him? Um, you know, being involved with the Devils. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think that you're far off in your assessment there, right? You know, final year of his contract, disappointing season last season, albeit, you know, the the there were circumstances that led them to to that outcome as well. Um, not not as much as maybe say say the Islanders, but um o- overall, you know, you, there are certain decisions that that Lindy Ruff has made in the past that has definitely um, you know, caused some people to turn around and question those those decisions, but you know, this is a huge year, right? This is a huge year for him. Obviously, not not just because of the final year of his contract, but because of the fact that he has a, a largely improved team, and and they did set him up pretty well with an associate coach who was a Jack Adams finalist last season, which mm-hmm. blows my mind that he did not uh, remain and and claim the the Florida uh, Panthers head coaching job. Um, and then you know uh, Ryan McGill, who I I really like as well you know he he's a product uh or he came from from the vegas golden knights who they have a really good structure over there at least for you know his tenure with them as well so 
they, they set up Lindy Ruff really well to have uh, a good supporting cast. Um, and you see that right on the ice when, when, when there's practice, you know, it's not just Lindy Ruff calling the shots and Andrew Brunette is running drills. Ryan McGill is running drills. I mean, Ryan McGill had Kevin ball bodying him up against the boards, showing him how to, yeah. I, I mean, we're talking the, the huge Kevin ball, right? The six foot, he had six him, foot eight over 200 pound yep. Kevin ball. Yep. He had Ryan McGill pinned up against the boards and, and, and Ryan McGill was, was welcoming it. He was saying, no, do it again. You have to do it this way. Keep going, keep going, push me, you know, and he was just really, really involved. And, and that's what you see out of all the coaches, including Lindy Ruff is everyone is really involved. Um, so, you know, the way that the devils play this year, yes, Lindy Ruff is the head coach, but it's largely a product of everybody collectively. Um, mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how the Devils move forward with who's the head coach after Lindy Ruff. If they obviously, if they don't do well, I think they're going to move on. Um, right. But if they do do well, you know, they they could reward Lindy Ruff and say, let's let's not fix what's not broken, or they could they could look at the situation and say, can we get you know Andrew Brunette for a few less extra bucks than Lindy Ruff? Can we get Ryan McGill right. for a few less extra bucks than than Lindy Ruff? If we can, and they can keep the same system in place. Why not? Because again, from what I see, they're all really coaching together. And and right. of course, Lindy Ruff has the final say, but when, when, if you didn't know who the devils were, and if you were a fan go, going to uh, the, the practice the other day, you wouldn't, you would look at the eyes and be like, wait, who's the coach? Cause they're all involved. So right. it will be interesting to see how it plays out. If they do have success, I could see Lindy Ruff sticking around. Um, if they don't, I, I don't, I don't, put a pass them to move on to one of the, one of the two guys. I think it would be either McGill or, or uh, Andrew Burnett, likely Andrew Burnett. One thing that uh, should be mentioned is that Pierre Lebron at the athletic put out an article. He interviewed general manager Tom Fitzgerald a couple of days. It came out, I believe yesterday or two days ago. And Tom Fitzgerald, when he talked about Lindy Ruff, he said, also there's a decision that Lindy Ruff himself has to make him being well over 60 years old. You know, he's been in the game his entire career. How many more years does Lindy Ruff want to be involved, you know, in the NHL and being at that high of a level? And I know some people have talked about, you know, there's a possibility that Lindy Ruff could stay within the Devils organization in a different role. Um, while Andrew Burnett or Ryan McGill, like you mentioned, could be a head coach. Um, so I, I think obviously a lot depends on how the season starts and where the Devils go from there. Uh, second to last question for you. Um, James, when you look at, you know, some of the guys that are on the bubble when it comes to making this roster out of camp. So like Kevin Ball, for example, uh, Fabian Zettelin as well, you know, and, and then you have guys who have been here who are also still question marks like Andreas Janssen, who has really, really struggled since the preseason started. Um, and then even Tomas Tatar, although Tatar has had a really, very solid preseason. He got himself a goal, the only goal. One nothing win on Monday against Boston. Um, and a couple other guys, Michael McLeod, Jesper Boquist. Uh, who are the guys that stand out to you that you can see really making this team? Like when you settle down that bottom six forward and also at the end of the defensive core, you know, what young guys or what guys in general do you see being the most likely guys that will end up being on the Devils once the season kicks underway next week? Yeah, it's it's funny that you ask that question just because I was talking to Ryan the other day and we're sitting there, we're watching the the uh, morning skate and we're seeing all, you know, the cuts happen and we're looking at the players and we're saying 
to each other like what what are they going to do they have a pretty good amount of forwards who are ready you know like you mentioned Zetterlin's ready you know they have um uh Boquist is there um you know all these guys Holtz is Holtz is looking like he's going to be on the first line so they have a ton of players who are they're 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 ready right it, it might come down to a guy like Fabian Zetterlin who looks good to go he's not waiver exempt so it might come down mm. to making a decision like that whereas Alexander Holtz is and if they need to make sure that they don't lose Fabian Zetterlund, it, it might cost you an Alexander Holtz. He might have to start the year in Utica just so that they can keep Fabian Zetterlund on the roster and not lose him for nothing. Because if he goes on on waivers, I don't see him making it through. No. Um, not with the way so he the, played at the end of last season for us and how no. he played in Utica last year. No, no way. So the, the thing is, like you said, Thomas Tatar looks really good. Andreas Janssen, he's struggling a little bit, and you can see it. Um, they have Jesper Boquist. I, I don't know what their what their thought process is with Nathan Bastian, um, but he's yeah. listen. He's a guy who you, you, maybe you just keep him around as a thirteenth forward, and you throw him on the ice whenever you know there's going to be a rivalry game. And you need an extra guy out there to bang bodies and protect your superstars like Jack Hughes, right? Right. <sighs> I think the third line will be Miles Wood, Eric Halla, and Dawson Mercer. Those three Ooh. look excellent together. You consider that a downgrade for Mercer only because top six on the wing last year and now he's going to a third line winger position? No, I don't think it's a, a downgrade. I think that they, they just have such a deep roster and and or deep forward group right now. And I, you know what? I could say roster overall too They because of the right. additions that they've made. I don't think it's a downgrade there. I think it's one of those things where the Devils are looking to roll four lines this year, right? You're not going to super depend on your second line more than you're going to depend on your third line. You can really interchange those two, right? Because Miles Wood is not a third liner. I think he's a top six player. Eric mm-hmm. Howla is an excellent third line center. He could fill in a second line role if you need to. And the same goes for Dawson Mercer as it does for um, Miles Wood. So I don't think it's a downgrade there. I think that you can swap that third line for a second line, but your your second line is looking like it's going to be Yego Sharangovich, Nico Hirscher, and Jesper Brock. You right. know, so what, what are you what are you going to do? You're going to put one of those guys in the bottom six? No, you're not. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to who's going to be able to play fourth line minutes, and yeah. it's going to come down to Fabian Zetterlin. It's going to come down to Jesper Boquist. It's going to come down to Nathan Bastian, Andreas Janssen, um, because the first line looks like it's going to be Palat, Hughes, and and Holtz. Uh, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to say that Andreas Janssen has earned the spot, and, and I do think that Fabian Zetterlin could end up taking it. But in my opinion, Fabian Zetterlin is best suited for a top six role. So right. I, I don't really know what the thought process is for Fabian Zetterlin to play during the year. There there has to be a plan in place, and the thing is, he was skating with. Um, uh, Nico Heischer before Heischer went down with injury. He skated a little bit with with. Um, uh, I don't think he. I don't think it was Jack Hughes, but I think he skated a little bit with uh, Dawson Mercer when he was, you know, shifted to center for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's no clear cut answer for Fabian Zetterlund. All that I, all that I know is that when I watch him play, he's on the first power play unit. He's playing in a top six role whenever you know he's part of the fifty percent of the roster who is yep. is playing for that night. Um, mm-hmm. And he looks like a, a an NHL player who scored eight points in 14 games last season, and he looks like he's ready to continue in in that trajectory. So it's going to be tricky. I don't know what they're going to do, especially because Thomas Tatar 
looks a lot better than he did last season, right? Yeah. So if he's going to be in a top six role, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to demote him. He's looking really good. It's hard to say. I, the, the cuts that are going to come within the next day or two are going to be fascinating. Yep. Um, and like I said, you know, if if the if you do see Alexander Holtz go go down to Utica, I think it's only going to be because of the fact that he's waiver exempt and Fabian yeah. Zetterlund isn't. Yeah, and I think that uh, obviously, you know, again, Holtz hasn't been able to score a whole lot in the preseason. Uh, the Devils may just give him these next two games. You know, we'll see what the lines are going to be like to, uh, on Thursday, and obviously, then the last game a couple of days after against Boston. We'll see how it goes. I would imagine that the Devils may show a good majority of their starting lineup uh, over these next two games, just to kind of you know give everybody a, a good idea. But yeah, the Devils have kind of created in some ways, a good problem with their forward group. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the defensive core, the, the good thing about defensive core is just the fact that, for the most part, it's pretty much set up. You know, you have Siegenthaler and, and Dougie Hamilton. You have uh, Ryan Graves and Damon Severson. Um, and then, obviously, there's that battle for that seventh, you know, potential spot. And Kevin Ball, obviously. Um, I was going to say Vukashevich before he got sent down to Utica because I thought he played uh, – well also Nikita as well was actually having a couple of good games but it it just seems like especially watching Kevin Ball in that last game against Boston he looks very comfortable back there he doesn't look yeah. like he's you know he looks like he's finally coming into his own body and his own frame yep. and and uh, like you mentioned before Ryan McGill with his coaching seems to be giving Ball confidence and so I wonder to myself if ball makes it as that sixth defenseman and maybe Brendan Smith doesn't play, you know, as everyday player, or if it's just reversed and you have Smith on that bottom, uh, that bottom pairing with uh, John Marino. I mean, you know, what, what do you, what do you see from it? Do you think that there's a good chance that Kevin ball makes this team out of camp? I do. And I think that you're, you're absolutely right there. I had the same thought process. Is it going to be Kevin Ball as a seventh defenseman or is he going to be, you know, where Brendan Smith is next to John Marino and, and uh, Brendan Smith will take a back seat and play seventh, seventh uh, role minutes. I think he's only on a one year deal too. So that, that would work, exactly. right? I believe it's Brendan Smith's on a three year. I, I think it was a two year deal if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, regardless the the thing is Kevin Ball, he's only 22 years old, right? He could be, right penciled in as part of the future core of that blue line. Um, so it would benefit them in my opinion, if he's ready to let him play every day, but you know, he could also, if, if he stays up with the NHL guys and, and is with them for the, the entire year and only plays, let's say 50% of the games. Sure. That's good too. I think it'll be okay for his mm-hmm. development. Um, I, I just really like what I've seen from him. He's got, you know, uh, a real good sense of, of, of positioning in, in the defensive zone. Um, he's a big body. That's just something you can't teach. He's really good at, at uh, pushing guys off pucks. And um, one of the things that Lindy Ruff has praised him for is his uh, stick skills. He's been very good with having good stick position. Um, he's been very good with with uh, making sure he takes the appropriate reach and doesn't take a penalty and in, in, in tripping somebody or something like that. And he's been stripping pucks and he's defensively sound. So, Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that the seventh role, at least it's his, um, if it was going to be between him and anybody else, I would say maybe Walsh Walsh looks really good as Ooh. well. Um, but I, he brings a whole different set of skills. And, and I asked Lindy rough about that. I said, you know, you have two guys who look pretty viable for, for a spot on the blue line, but it's pretty packed back there. What are you thinking between Kevin ball and Riley Walsh? And interestingly enough, uh, Lindy Ruff said that Kevin Ball has more important skills than Riley Walsh does. So 
I, re- I remember him saying that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought that was definitely interesting uh, comments from him. Um, but mm-hmm. if you see a guy go down, like let's say Damon Severson, that that might be when you see Riley uh, Riley Walsh get his get his shot because he's more of that kind of defenseman, right? Whereas Kevin Ball is a defensive defensive defenseman. He's a big guy, hard to get around, and he can body you if he has to. So um, different skill sets, and I think that the the skill set that Lindy Ruff is looking for uh, to to have around as a seventh guy or or on the third pairing at, in the in a defensive role uh, is a defensive defenseman. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know Kevin Ball has certainly done a lot this preseason to really put himself in a position to make the team. And like you mentioned, next you know day or two is going to be really interesting to see what type of cuts the Devils make. So my final question to you, James, and again, thank you so much for coming on and, and taking time um, you know out of your day to, to come on here. Is simply this: it's the same question that I asked you about the Islanders. What is your overall prediction? Because a lot, you know, there's been a lot of conflicting ones. A lot depends on certain things going, you know, certain ways. What is your prediction for the New Jersey Devils this upcoming season? I think they're a playoff team. I think that they make make it in the wild card, um, largely due to the fact that their goaltending is much improved. Uh, Their blue line is much improved. It's kind of similar to the Islanders if, if I'm really thinking about it, but they're just a better scoring team and that that's, what's mm. going to get them there. Um, you know, I, I really like the addition of Vanacek. I think Mackenzie Blackwood, who we didn't really speak too much about looks really sharp. This, this yeah. uh, preseason so far, a little bit more closer to the guy who was projected to play for team Canada in the Olympics last year. So mm-hmm. um, with, th- with that solidified goaltending situation with the improvement on the blue line, with all of the veterans that they brought in and another year of Jack Hughes taking a step forward, Jesper Brat probably taking a step forward. Um, I think that they are a playoff team. One question in my mind that I have, and we're already seeing it is the health of Nico. Heischer. He's a, a mm-hmm. guy who for some reason or another cannot stay healthy. And it's tough to have your captain out for as long as he could, you know, potentially be out and how long he's been out before. Yeah. Um, However, they've set themselves up with, you know, they acquired Howla, who could, who's a, a center. Dawson Mercer can play center if they have to uh, or if he has to. And, you know, we talked about the depth already. If somebody has to step in and, and on the wing because they can shift Mercer to center, well, they have Zetterling, they have Holtz, they have guys in the system who can step up and play on the wing. Right. Where, and, and it's deep enough for them where if a guy like he sure does unfortunately go down again with injury, they have the depth to compensate for it. So I, I do see them making the playoffs because I just think overall um, there has been a large improvement for the team. Um, and not just, not just the the 23 man roster, but I think the, uh, the, the coaching situation around Lindy rough as well. Yeah. And uh, Mike Morial of NHL.com, he actually put this out yesterday saying that, uh, you know, Vanacek has stopped 52 of 55 shots he's seen so far in the preseason. Blackwood has stopped 50 of the 53 shots he saw. Akira Schmidt uh, has stopped all 11 that he's seen. And Nico Dawes has stopped all five that he has seen. So obviously the goaltending has been very strong. Vitek Vanacek is coming off a shutout in that one nothing win on Monday at home against Boston. And we'll see how... These guys progress the rest of the preseason and obviously once we get into the regular season. But hopefully all of you, your positive points about the Devils are correct. 
and that this team can finally get out of the long dragging rebuild and finally get back into the playoffs and really, really start to open that window of this team competing for playoffs and ultimately competing for the Stanley Cup in the not-too-distant future. Well, James, this has been absolutely phenomenal, my friend. We thank you so much for coming on today. But before I let you go, as I do this with all my guests, I like to roll out the red carpet and let you uh, kind of tell the folks at home where they can you know, find all of your stuff. And uh, I did hear that uh, there might be some video content coming out very soon involving the devil. So uh, if you could potentially give us a little bit more information or if you can, um, but nonetheless, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at James Nichols NYI. I know that that those last three letters are uh, a little confusing. I tried to change my Twitter handle without losing my badge, but I I can't quite do that right now. So uh, I'm working on it. Just uh, bear with me here. But uh, you can find me there on Twitter. You can find my work at The Fourth Period. Uh, If you're interested in hearing a little bit about the Islanders and want to hear an Islander podcast, you can hear me there as well. Um, And Neil, you are correct. There is a uh, new content coming for for with me uh, about the New Jersey Devils. Um, I received my my logo today. I received my Twitter banner. um, No, sorry, my my YouTube banner today. Um, And we're in the process of making the channel. So. uh, that will be revealed soon. We will be doing some uh, video content uh, on on YouTube, uh, some live shows, some some exclusives. Uh, get getting some uh, stuff from within the locker room and around the organization. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I hope you all come and hang out with me and and join me for you know the live shows. And if they're not live, you know, join me in the comment sections and join the uh, the other fans in the comment sections. Awesome, man. Well, hey, if you ever need a if you ever need a guest or anything like that on there, you know, I'm I'm right here and I'm more than happy to to come on and uh, and do some stuff with you. But I'm excited uh, for you to be covering this team and doing all this uh, Devils content. We can't wait. But James, thank you so much again, man, for coming on. We really, really do appreciate, it. and we will definitely have you on again in the near future. But thank you so much. Anytime, Neil. It was uh, it was a pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one.